I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a Friday episode of private parts happy mental health awareness week um we have josh roberts hello happy friday in the intro you're just in the intro though yeah just in the intro but i'll take it uh you gotta get you gotta <laughs> take what you can get these days so you used uh, to get a whole episode now i'm doing the intros <laughs> no because it's uh, it also because <laughs> it's mental health collecting your dry cleaning <laughs> yeah, i know jobs around the house Are you <laughs> pick you up from the airport <laughs> Just just keep me in the mixer. Keep me on the airwaves. No, Joshy, listen, you know how much I adore you and how much I respect you and what a good friend you are. Uh, I think we're just great friends to each other, I would say. We have that amazing connection where um, I think someone would someone would say, um, oh, you know Jamie and, or you, you know Josh. And I'm like, yeah, but we have a, a really deep connection for some reason. Well, I'll tell you why I think it is. Because people often say to me, they're like, are you actually that friend, good friends with them? I'm like, well, yes, because yeah. the, the nature of our, when we became friends was like, when you were having difficult time, I was having a difficult time. Yeah. And you sort of forged a relationship in those kind of circumstances. Yeah. And then, you know, chatting and podcasts and things like that, but about quite deep things. I, I would always say that actually over the past few years, I've probably had deeper conversations with you than I've had with anyone else. Even your lovely wife-to-be. Maybe not my lovely wife-to-be, mm. but, with, but with definitely men, I would say. <laughs> Because we're men. Aren't Mostly we? with men, it's just physical with you, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's, yeah, that's, yeah. Always okay. physical. All right. <laughs> but um, it's Mental Health Awareness Week. What does that mean to you? It means you're busy because you're, you're the mental health man. <laughs> Let's it get that really anxious bloke who it, wrote it, that book. Yeah, <laughs> it is really busy, but it's really, really exciting because um, it's a week in which people who ordinarily don't really give a shit about mental health actually sort of sit down and have a think about it. Mm. So I'm talking like you know, senior people in companies and, think, and in governments and things like that actually take a moment to have a think about it. So it's really, really exciting. What has surprised you um, from all the stuff you do? I know you do your talks and you do your books. What has surprised you recently about uh, I'll tell what you, you've experienced? It, what has really taken me by surprise has been the acceleration that the pandemic 
has caused in the public conversation about mental health. Really? Yeah, yeah. Because it was moving at quite a serious pace anyway with the, you know, um, the princes were talking about it and celebs and blah, blah, blah. But um, I feel like the pandemic just kind of fast forwarded us through like six or seven years and people who would otherwise be a bit sceptical or maybe cynical about it. You know, the sort of snow, all these snowflakes, that, that's mm. those sort of people have now come to realise how important it is. And, and it's, it was really, really exciting. There's so much stuff in our world at the moment to be, you know, down in the dumps about. But mental health is one area where we're really moving really quickly. and, and That's and great. What a juxtaposition of, as well. Yeah, it's, cool, like, yeah. it's cool, right? There's, it's a place where you should be down in the dumps. But also I always think what we do with our chats about it um, and on our voicemail episodes um, is we kind of try and make a bit of light of it as well at the same time because we've experienced it. So yes. it's very easy to go very dark and heavy in these things, but actually trying to keep it a light and, and juggling the, the light with the dark is a good thing. Well, I always think as well, we have a, everyone has challenges with mental health, but we have a particular challenge around men and mental health Yeah, and trying to engage blokes around it. And I think, I don't think you engage people by being, you know, no, it's got to be uh, upbeat and, and, um, and also just reflects the reality. Like there's, when you have an anxiety disorder or, or whatever it is, yeah, there's really, really shit times, but there's also, it's still possible to have fun in the middle of all of that. Yeah, yeah and people don't think you can. Yeah. Um, we had our bonus episode, uh, which was on Wednesday. So if you guys haven't gone and listened to that, it was me, Josh, Mitt on the bonus episode. Mitt is on the actual episode today. Josh is just doing the intro. I hadn't met him before. He's a very good looking man. He's a good looking dude, isn't he? Do you think I could get... He was, I think he only had one button done up though. I'm oh, thinking, is why? There, is, I'm thinking, can you I do notice that? that? Well, you know, I'm, I've got my little shirt on here. I've only got one undone. When you met I'm me... Thinking of, I'm thinking of plunging. When you met me... What was your first opinion? Was it the same thing? Good looking? Teeth. Wow. Teeth. teeth. Yeah. Straight to the teeth. Straight to the teeth. How's that? Nice little white pearls. Um, we have Ben West on the podcast. Now, you haven't met Ben West, but no. I'll explain to you. Um, ben is 22 years old. Uh, when he was 17, his brother took his own life at 15 years old, having just been diagnosed with clinical depression. Awful. Um, he explains it in the episode today. He's now an activist. He's written a book. The book is called This Book Could Save Your Life. Um, he's a really great dude and he came on, he was open, he was honest and he was just talking about all these things and at 22 years old, I was doing sweet Ethel and he's doing a lot of cool things. So yeah. he was a pretty impressive dude, I think. I can't wait to hear it. It sounds like an amazing story. Before we kick off the episode, mm. um, I think we should just give a little warning that this uh, has a lot of talk about mental health, a lot of talk about suicide yeah. um, and if this is triggering, triggering for anyone, perhaps um, be warned, maybe don't listen to it. Um, or if it is, we put loads of links in the description uh, where you can go to to look for help. I'm going to say that before we start. It's an amazing story, an amazing episode. Uh, it's Mental Health Awareness Week. Um, so yeah, here we go. You ready for it? Can't wait. Tops off. Let's get that off. Should we get the baby oil? <laughs> you don't want it? No. All right. Not today. <laughs> Enjoy the episode with Ben West on Private Parts. Um, so I think there's a, there's definitely a full moon at the moment, by the way. Are you an astrologist? Well, I'm just guessing. And Ben, you probably don't know things about me, but I'm very in tune with my body. Oh yeah? Oh yeah. And the, and the cycle of the moon. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> there's a difference between yep. in tune with your body and just loving yourself. No, that's not narcissism. Which <laughs> no, is a good thing. It's not narcissism. I'm just in tune with my body. My I know. Okay. I, in what way? Okay. Well, I uh, got back from Portugal, which was a trip with my um, fiance. Yeah. Yeah. Well done. 
Yeah, don't worry about it. Yeah, I am getting married. Yeah. <laughs> Why did I say it like that? <laughs> Sound like David Brent yeah. for a second. Yeah. Getting married. Um, I got back and do you, do you sleep well, man? Do you do? You, do I sleep well? Do you sleep well? Yeah, you do. I think so. Good eight right. hours a night. Oh, you get a good eight so hours. Eight hours. So. Love that. Yeah. I really? get. I reckon average six to six. seven. Yeah, average. I reckon. Ouch. So that's but that's hard you, to get that eight hours. But that's when you. You're, you're on the come down, right? From all that alcohol you've <laughs> yeah. been drinking. What's, and what's that? Yeah, that's exactly what then you fall My body's a temple now, you know that. Yeah, I get it. Right. So anyway, uh, I, I got back from Portugal um, and my the top of where I sleep in our bedroom at the top is really hot. Mm. Oh my God, it gets boiling. And I had a bad night's sleep, dreaming, heavily dreaming. Mm. I woke up the next day and I was like, ah, there's, there's something in the air. There's something with the moon. I then didn't sleep that well last night again. And then I asked, I said the same thing before we started the podcast. I said the same with me and you said, Alex. There were, I think this bank holiday just gone. There was a, so when people were listening, it would have been a while ago, but there was a new moon, I think, right. which is apparently is a good time to, mm. to sort of manifest and think about your, your new direction in life. And it, that's yeah. what we should do. Yeah. Like, so right. new beginnings. So do you guys. believe in moons? And uh, well, I mean, I yeah, sit yeah. in the sky. That's about the only one I believe in. You're, you're a flat earther, aren't you? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Flat earth. Um, got the ice wall. But I do. What's the ice wall? Do you know the flat earth. So the, you know, you have, oh, God, I do come across like a flat earth. Now, don't <laughs> yeah. You know when they have the flat earth, like at the sides. Yeah. Because everyone's like, oh, but you can fall off. They say that you've got the ice. There's like an ice wall that you can't climb over to make it seem like it's an end right that is absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. load of shit so don't believe in the moon but it's definitely flat well the <laughs> thing that i found out recently which blew my mind is that we don't we don't the tide doesn't go in and out okay bear with me <laughs> okay. bear with me yeah if i All had right. a diagram i could show people i would but maybe i don't think you could i could i don't think it would help <laughs> I, I, I could i could so the world is obviously yeah. round Okay, it's this, actually not round. It, it is round. It's, this world is, it's more like an egg shape. I think I it's flat, actually, it? Oh, my God. Okay, well, we, we, the world is round, right? Yeah. <laughs> it looks round, and we see it. The, the water goes on the outside of the world, but it has two bulges either side of it. So look at, think of it like, yeah. a, like a rectangle circle. The world then spins within this rectangle circle. So when the world spins, that's, it's the tide not going in and out. It's just reaching the bulge and then going away from the bulge and then reaching the bulge and going away from the bulge. The tide isn't going in and out with the bulge. The bulge is here on either end like that. The yeah. world is just spinning in it. So you get to the bulge and that's when the tide's out. And when you get to the end, the tide's in. Do you see what I mean? I mean, from a practical sense, if I'm stood yeah. on a beach, the water does no, go it's past not. me and it. <clears throat> No, it's not. Go. That's because you're hitting the bulge. Think about it. If you're hitting the look, I'm going to show you the diagram for for anyone listening. Yeah, to this, yeah, yeah. This I need is, to, we need to see the diagram because that okay. was um. What uh, do, does? Here we go. Hon, does the tide go in and out? Here we go. Okay, here we go. No one's going to freaking. Okay, because the Earth rotates through two tidal bulges every lunar day. There you go. See. Finish it. I, I, I just, okay, hon. Let me read. This is what it looks like diagram wise. Yeah. Okay. Bulges either side with the world in between. Right. The, the explanation is this. Because the Earth rotates through two tidal bulges every lunar day, coastal areas experience... experience Co coastal? Coastal areas <laughs> experience two high and two low tides every 24 hours and 50 yeah. minutes. High tides occur 12 hours and 25 minutes apart. That's because it goes in the bulges, not because the sea's going in and out. Where did you think the sea went? I don't know. <laughs> is that a plug at the bottom? Is that is that not? It doesn't really. I mean, it's still there's still it displacement of water. It's still going no, from one place to another. It's the right? world is spinning within it. It doesn't go in it. The water stays the same. 
waves, obviously, but the, the mm. water stays the same. It's just the world spinning, getting closer and closer to the bulge and then further away from the bulge. Yeah, but uh, what I'm wow. saying in a practical sense is that water is not in the same place in yes, relation to the, the, the ground. It's go, it's, the water's not going in and out. It's staying the same. Oh, oh God. See, wow. this is what, yeah, there you go. This is what I've signed up for. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and how, are wow. how are you? Yeah. How are you, buddy? How are you? Yeah, I'm all good. I'm all good. So obviously, a moment of change with the moon, but no, yeah. no, really good. Um, I On the way here, I was on a, uh, a train and mm -hmm. the train carriage was full of a whole school trip full of like seven-year-olds. So oh. it was a very, it was quite a long, it's quite a long morning. Oh but it's nice to sit down. And relax. And these lights. It's like getting a tan. Yeah, dude. Um, like, can I just say before we start, congrats on all your success. Thank you. It's amazing. It must be a whirlwind for you, right? Yeah, so it's, it's very, very weird. I mean, obviously, like I've been, I've been doing the mental health stuff, the mental health campaigning for what, like almost what, just over four years now. And so almost this book feels like a really massive moment because it's yeah. like everything's sort of come Coming. up to this yeah. point um so to get it out and and obviously like what we were saying before is like to get the response that it's had in the last couple of weeks is just really really fulfilling because put so much work into this mm. and to see it actually out there in the world helping people um trying to understand this topic it's it's yeah really an amazing Amazing feeling. We had, Mental Health Awareness Week is coming up before, before we're recording this before it's out, before Mental Health Awareness Week is here. Um, can you, I could say it for you because I think your story is just insane and it's just emotional and all these different things. Can you tell everyone who you are, your story and everything and why, you know, you've written this book that we can talk about? Yeah, so um, my story starts sort of five years ago. Um, I was... 16, 17 at the time and had absolutely no idea what mental health was. Absolutely no idea. I think it had come up in the conversations a couple of times um, and at like a school, I think we had an assembly on it once from some outside speaker. Um, but I'd never really heard about it before. And then one day, uh, September 2017, my mum, after dinner, my mum kept me behind and she was like, Sam, my brother, who was 15, was diagnosed with clinical depression. And I was like, what is that? Mm. <laughs> you know, that just meant absolutely nothing to me. And I, and, you know, I never spoke to Sam about it. I never, never really crossed my mind that that was the thing. I was, in my mind, I was like, how can you be diagnosed with being sad? Just go mm. for a run, go and play football, go and see your mates, go listen mm. to some music, just, you know, do what I, I would do if I had a bad day. And I didn't understand what that was. And, um, uh, January 21st, 2018, um, Sam took his own life, 15 years old at our home. And, it was me and my mum that found him. And that obviously is without a doubt one of the worst things I will ever have to, if not the, well, the worst thing I'll ever have to experience in my life that was absolutely awful. And I guess for me, you know, I never spoke to Sam about it. I never asked him if he was okay. I never did that. And in the days and weeks after he died, I just started to realise that Actually, it wasn't just Sam that was struggling. Almost everyone I knew at school had something going on they weren't talking to people about. And, you know, as the book goes into, I felt such a huge amount of guilt. Um, before Sam took his own life, we had dinner and we had an argument. And the last thing I ever said to him was, fuck off. Oh, my God. And so I got into this position in, the, in that grief and that trauma and I hadn't slept and I wasn't eating, I was in such a bad way. And my brain just absolutely attached itself to this idea that it was all my fault. Yeah. Mm. Uh, everything that happened is my fault. So when any, anyone, I saw anyone crying or we had people coming around to the house that were crying, I, I was like, look at what I've done. 
Um, and so basically for me, I had to do something to sort of write the situation in a weird way mm. um, and campaigning and starting to get into mental health campaigning, trying to open that conversation up, trying to get people to talk about this was in part because I wanted to help, but also because I needed something to prove to myself that actually I wasn't a shit person because for a long time, I can't even begin to tell you how much I hated who I was um, oh, because of that situation. Um, mm. It was absolutely awful. Um, that was a horrendous, horrendous year. <laughs> oh my God, dude. I mean, I, it's hard to even, you know, in these situations, right, what do you say? And, and I think that, that's how we spoke to, um, we were talking about uh, death and, uh, yeah. on the podcast yesterday. And it, I, it's, it's interesting when, when someone goes through such a terrible experience uh, of a loved one taking their own life or a loved one passing away or whatever it is, um, the person who is telling the story normally feels a bit worried because they, they're worried about someone else's reaction because they don't mm. really know what to say. But you speak so openly and confidently with it, which is the way that it should be, right? That's, you know, what happened. 17 years old, 15 years old, you should not be experiencing things like that. No, and, and my... So I'm, I'm one of three. I was the oldest. Sam was the middle one at 15. And then my brother Tom was 13 yeah, at the oh time. God. And that, that image as well is going to haunt me because obviously me and my mum found him. And then I, when the ambulance finally arrived, because I did CPR for, for 20, 25 oh minutes. Um, mm. When the ambulance finally arrived, I sort of, the paramedic took over and I went downstairs and Tom was at his bedroom door and he was just like, what's going on? And I just could not, I didn't know what to say. So mm. I just said, oh, it's been an accident. Took him downstairs and, and tried to shield him from it. But I, you know, what can you do? I mean, that is do? awful. It's an what awful thing. Do? And this is part of what I want to do with the mental health campaigning stuff is I feel like we get to a point now where suicide is just talked about as something that happens. I know, I know. It, it's yeah. in the statistics every year. It's like, this is, what, 6,000 people. Wait. People talk about it um, as an interesting fact. Mm. And, and I spoke to someone the other day and I've said this before and it's so true. We all say, we got to get over this stigma in mental health. We've got to get men talking about it, people talking about it. You know, you know the statistics, these are this. What is different is you coming on a podcast, me going on an interview, um, someone having a chat and saying, I've got depression, I've got anxiety, labeling it on yourself and going, no, let, of course we get over the stigma in mental health, but actually I've got depression. And, and still we're in this stage where we, everyone, wants, everyone talks about it and says, this is what we've got to do and use the statistics, but no one actually, a lot of majority, and me for many years, couldn't stand up and say, by the way, i got severe mm. anxiety. And that's what we have to change, right? Yeah, I love it. I love when everyone's always like, oh, let's normalize mental health. Let's normalize the yeah. conversation and then everyone goes quiet. It's like, we only do that <laughs> yeah, I know. if everyone's like, hey, this is the shit that's going on in my life. Yeah. And, until and it doesn't have to be, I've got depression or I've got anxiety. You know, everyone, when I was starting in this, what, what 2018, all the interviews, all the questions would be, have you struggled with your mental health? Have you had a mental illness? And I was always like, no. But actually, I came away thinking that. I was like, who hasn't struggled with their mental health? I can't name a single person I know mm. that hasn't had something wrong. And normalizing the conversation around mental health doesn't mean people that have depression, anxiety, PTSD need to tell every, the world about that. It means every single person needs to just be honest when things aren't going well. Like we mm. live in a world that's so concentrate on always looking perfect social media even schools and everything like that it's all a competition you've got to look perfect and you've got to be better than everyone else and actually the way we we sort of i think the most important thing we do going forward is just being honest with each other and yeah. being like actually i had a really shit day today and that normalizes the conversation about mental health 
in yeah. exactly the same way as going yeah. on interview and being like, this is what's going on for me. So when I ask you if you've ever broken a bone, right? Like that physical thing, you're like, yeah, I have. Try and make that the way if you say to someone, you know, have you ever had bad mental yeah. health? And people say, yeah. It, it's, we had this, we had a guy come on the podcast um, who was talking about interview techniques, right? And um, or talking about who he likes in interviews. And in an interview, you sit there and someone will say, okay, what's your bad traits? And you go, oh, um, my bad <laughs> trait is that I work too hard. Like you, you come up <laughs> yeah. with those like shit sayings, yeah. right? Um, he said that he hired one guy, one guy came in that stuck out in his mind. And this guy's a pretty high up VC. And he said that someone came in um, or he spoke at so the experience of this person. He came in and the guy sat with him and he said, um, how, are you, how are you doing today? The interview said, how are you doing today? And he said, yeah, do you know what? Uh, my bulimia is actually kicked up. Mm. A guy, you know, my bulimia is kicked up and I'm, I'm not feeling that great at the moment, but I'm really excited for this interview. Just, you know, I wanted to share that with you just because why not? You know, and, and the guy was like, holy smokes, that is... You're being real yeah. like now. And actually we're, we're so, I was always taught that vulnerability was weakness, that you, that you shouldn't show your vulnerability because all these different things, but actually vulnerability is the most, uh, most kind of um, open thing you can do in the most kind of, if you're vulnerable with an individual, then you really connect on level. That's why when we do podcasts and you sit there in this medium and yeah. you chat to someone, you really connect because we're all being vulnerable, yeah. which, which opens up. I think you're right. It's just that honesty. Because each time, each time you're not, you're kind of not being true to yourself and it like builds up over time and those issues just become bigger and bigger. Whereas if you just spoke about it that one time, it would have probably, you know, it helps ease those issues. Yeah. yeah. And also like everyone always asks me, how do we get people to talk about their mental health? I mean, you don't, I, I love how, and it goes into it in the book is like, <clears throat> everyone's always like, talk about your mental health, talk about your mental health, talk about your mental health. It's like, that is the most use, useless thing to tell people. If you want to get someone to talk, you're the one that needs to do the talking, yeah. not them. If you're vulnerable, they're going to feel safe to be vulnerable. The only reason I was in a position to want to, to, like I said, to get that point of view where I saw that everyone was sort of struggling with their own things was because I stood in front of the entire school and I still can't, I still don't understand how I did this. I stood in front of the entire school and ba it was only like a couple of weeks after Sam died. And I sort of stood there and I was like, I absolutely poured my heart out. I said everything I needed to say in this memorial assembly wow. thing, mm. poured it out. And I was so vulnerable. And I'll tell you in the weeks before that, all the messages I was getting were, I'm so sorry to hear what's happened. If you need anything, let me know. Mm. It was honestly, it was remarkable. After I had done that assembly, all every single message that I was getting changed and it wasn't, are you okay? It was, I'm not okay. Wow. And I need to talk to you. And that's when I realized that almost everyone I knew had something they weren't talking about. And I only got that insight because I stood up there and I was the one that was being vulnerable. And then suddenly I was the safe person to talk to. And I was just blown away by how many people were telling me they'd been diagnosed with depression, anxiety, eating disorders. Um, I had two of my close friends tell me that they'd attempted suicide before and hadn't, hadn't told anyone before. Oh my God, um, Oh, everything just came out. And I managed to get that to come out because I mm. was vulnerable first. And so everyone's like, oh, how do we get people to talk about mental health? Like, you talk about yours. It goes back to this whole yeah, normalizing mental health echo, thing. The echo, the echo yeah. hits you. You don't normalize anything if you don't make it normal and you're the one that needs to make it normal, not the other person. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. 
We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Dude, I had the, I saw this crazy statistic that I think is in your book or you sent us, uh, which is uh, 7% of children have mm. attempted suicide. Se- is that right? Is that like yeah. this? 7% of kids? Yeah. What? We did a, um, I was involved in a study uh, in lockdown with Accenture that looked at mental health for students. And one of the, and they, they put, it was a pool of 12,000 students and they asked, have you had suicidal thoughts before? And I think it was 49%. Oh my Jesus. God. 49% of 12,000 people. Uh, it's uh, like, Why is this? Why is this happening? Honestly, it's, it, there's so many different reasons. I think we do live in a world that is very, very stressful. It's very pressured now. Like I love, I'm, I get it so much on Twitter. <laughs> of course it's Twitter. Yeah, you go right. and do some. That's like, cesspit. Some, Twitter is so evil. Oh my so God, mean. it's awful, isn't it? You go and do something and everyone's like, oh, snowflake generation, snowflake generation. I'm like, <laughs> but hang on, I've got social media. You've yeah. got all this shit at school. You've got, I mean, I was talking to my mum the other day. I was like, my brother's about to do A-levels and you're talking about exams at school. You've got like 25 exams to do. <laughs> oh, what's that about? <laughs> That's fucking snowflake to 25 <laughs> exams in three weeks, right? And then we've got social media mad. today. So where do you think it's coming from? Yeah, it's the um, it's the we, we don't have enough, like, just, so true, we don't, don't have any breaks. Like, our brains are just constantly hit yeah. with shit. Like, there's no moments where we're just like, oh, exactly. I can just relax now. Like, social media does, I swear to God, yeah, as well. Yeah, like you finish God. school and then you're burnt, like, social media until the next morning. And also you're just looking at other 20-year-olds and 19-year-olds who are, like, driving Lamborghinis. You're like, yeah. I'm not there yet. That I, yeah. I was like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all these like influencers that are that are just portraying this image that they don't live. No, no. one lives, right? It's just all fed back into it, and it, it's really damaging. But also, you know, from me, from from my point of view, like a large part of the book is sort of the, the campaigning stuff, and as well as like trying to help people understand mental health, and my mental health, and their mental health, and all this stuff. There's very much an angle of what needs to change. And my point, my view is. If you're going to increase pressure on people, then you have a responsibility to increase the support as well. And that goes for universities. It goes for government with schools. It's like, Mm. how have we got to a point where 25 exams (laughs) and and that's got to a point where it's 25 exams and we haven't made any major steps to increase support in schools um that how can that be how can that be possible and same with universities like the university pressure is just enormous really? especially after the last couple of years like i was at uni um i actually left in 2020 what uni were you at liverpool 
Come on, there we go. Oh, Liverpool, Party time. Such a good uni. Party time. I, I always said I loved uni. I loved everything about uni except uni. Hated my course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did aerospace engineering. I was this, absolutely you did hated it. it. Aerospace. Yeah, I'm shit at maths. <laughs> I got a U in my A level mock maths, Sick. and no no teacher was like, "You probably should be doing this." Aerospace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, my, I do not uh, want to be in a rocket yeah. that you've built. <laughs> no, this is what I've said. Like, I've, I genuinely, I think I've saved lives by dropping out of that course. Because imagine if I if I'd passed that degree and I'd gone to work for like Airbus or something, designed a plane. <laughs> I've saved, what, 350 people's lives? <laughs> Liverpool's a good uni as well. Liverpool's a great yeah, uni. It is good. It's a good city. Really, really good city. But it's like the support at universities, for the most part, I think is just not there. And you have so much pressure. And I, like, I left in 2020. That was during lockdown because I was in a flat on my own and I was isolating on my own. And wow. I had two weeks in this flat. Um, I literally got to third year and I turned up in my flat. And the day I arrived, I went to see some of my mates that were there because you're allowed like that bubble when you live in your yeah. own flat right so I went to see them one of them was positive all of us the next day I was there literally immediately after having the best such a good summer of freedom oh, I was there stuck in my in. flat for two weeks on my oh, own no. I know it got to the end how of did one... that make you feel were you, were you alright with that or was it... oh shit it was terrible <laughs> yeah I mean I, I've always I've said obviously you know over the last few years I've learned a lot about my mental health I know how to cope so I was sort of okay in that I could cope and knew how to to like keep myself okay um so i did i remember i was like walking up and down so i worked out my room was about 10 meters long so i said if i could if i run 500 lengths of my room that's a 5k this is classic lockdown <laughs> yeah. oh my god that's what you were doing so i was doing i so i'm so sorry to the person that lived below me i, I oh apologize but god. so i did a 5k in my room that was that was fun but there were so many days i got to the end of the day <laughs> was it <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it was that, that was fun. so it was literally that or staring out the window at scousers <laughs> yeah that's it that's all you had right um and they got to the end of the one day and i was like i haven't said anything out loud all day and i just sort of i, I was in bed and i was like I haven't said anything all day. I just made this like noise, like uh, yeah. The the, tr the tricky thing, I think, <laughs> the tricky thing is this: is right, is that universities or schools or whatever it is, um, or it, it, treating mental health is is expensive, mm. and so that the funding there's, there's lacking in funding and understanding and all these different things. And actually, they I think most of these places want a kickback of something, so it's quite hard for them to. I think it's quite hard to find the funding for it. Is that a problem? Mm, yeah. Or no, is that me just I mean, being naive? No, 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 absolutely. I think there's certain things you can do that have that are expensive, obviously. You know, treatment for mental health, uh, mental illnesses and mental health conditions is obviously expensive. But prevention is not. I was, was going to say, it sounds like they need to look at the route and, and maybe yeah. change the system. Like, there's a lot it's, of it's obviously not, expensive. It's not yeah, working system, that well, But right? it's society, right? We talked about this the other day. It's society. You have to change society in order to prevent it. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously, but I mean, if we're looking just at education, I think they sure. obviously need to revise, bad choice of word, but they need to revise the way that it's, that it's done. Because if you look at the overall picture, it's making a lot of people unhappy and kill themselves because it's yeah. so pressured. Like, is that the best way to learn? Yeah. So my first, um, my first sort of campaign, so the way it works is my first thing that I did was a walk, um, a charity walk, tried to get all my mates from school to come on this walk. And then we tried to get people to talk. But then after that walk, um, my petition was to make mental health first aid part of teacher training mm. to, mand to to make it mandatory that all teachers that learn to become a teacher have to learn, which in I still think is such a 
basic thing for a teacher to know, yeah. right? It's it's not actually that much to learn. That that so my petition was to make that part of teacher training. That got something like three hundred fifty thousand signatures on it. It was massive. Wow. Um, led me to Downing Street. Is that on Street. Facebook? That's you... on Change.org. Um, mm. So that was like the that was my big one. And that so the government last September changed the law to require all schools to teach about mental health in mm. PSHE, right? Every key stage, so all the way through primary, secondary, blah blah. blah. But they haven't forced teachers to have training. So in the actual criteria for this... So they're teaching it, but they... they they're not actually they taught how to they, teach it. They don't yeah. know they're teaching. So in the criteria for the new curriculum that, that says this is why students need to learn about mental health, they say it's so that students can notice and help people that might be struggling. And I'm like... Teachers? What the <laughs> Do they not hell? need the same? So mm -hmm. you've got, and the PSHE Association did a bit of like a report into it and they were like, actually, we're almost risking making the problem worse by having a teacher who, let's face it, most teachers, a lot of teachers have mental health issues themselves because yeah. the job is stressful. insanely it's hard. Stre yeah, yeah. It's stressful, totally. Um, we have a teacher that's not trained going in, talking about this stuff. And we've all been in the sex ed classes when you get some blue dildo come out and you're putting a condom on. I remember someone, someone got slapped at it. You had a blue dildo? Oh, it was about this big as well. Yeah, someone, someone in our class fainted when they put the condom on and he just collapsed on the floor. You we were like, yes. Through excitement. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Um, what? So yeah, right. So, But that's... No one took anything away from that, those lessons, did no. we? I mean, I remember someone got slapped in the face. And yeah, that, yeah, that was and it. And that's all I remember from those lessons. Yeah. And the risk is if we, have, <laughs> if we have the same approach to mental health. I mean, imagine if we have a botched job um, conversation about anxiety and the person in the corner, because statistically, I think it's three or four students in every classroom have a mental health condition. What? So three or four students are going to sit there being like, every, everyone's laughing at this. And just make them feel more isolated. So that's the risk. And that's why teachers need to be trained. Thank you. <laughs> I freaking love that, dude. That is insane. Your, your book as well, the title of it is so good. That this book is going to save your life, right? That, that is the title. Yeah, this yeah. book could save your life. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's, that a title for a book is so good. That's punchy. It's bold. It's out there. How did you come up with the title? How did that happen? Um, so it kind of comes back to the reason I wanted to write a book, to be honest. Because I've obviously... I, I always used to say, I wish everyone could experience what I've experienced, met the people I've met, and I had the conversations I've had without having to have gone through the awful experience that, that losing Sam was. And I wanted to sort of put, put that, and there's only so much you can say in an Instagram caption. Like yeah. there's me on my Instagram videos and it's getting like six minutes long. I'm like, who the fuck's watching this? Yeah, um, know, and know. you know, an Instagram caption is not long enough to, to get people through that experience. And so I really wanted to write a book because in my experience, and like we were saying before, suicides become almost like just accepted as happening. But you really, you read my story, you read what happened that night and you read what happened in the, the days and weeks afterwards and you tell me that we can accept that happening. Not just because someone's died, but the absolute agony that it puts on my mum, my dad, my brother, me, the trauma that still affects me today. Like, mm. the, you know, I've had, I've had something like six months of counselling last year getting so much out. There's still so much to get out. And you just see like so much of my life has been affected by that one moment. Mm -hmm. You know, how can we accept 6,000 suicides a year? I saw one politician in lockdown. Um, the, the rate of suicide hadn't increased. Um, and it, they put some tweet out and that was actually in the paper as well, being like, job well done. Well done, everyone. And I was like, that is so nice awful that we're celebrating a number that isn't zero. Mm. Um, and so I wanted to write this book to sort of give people that insight 
talk to people about, because I think the mental health conversations become a little bit clouded with very pretty things. Mm. Um, it's a sexy talk, term a little mm, bit. It's, it is a, a it's become bit. a sexy term. Yeah. Talk about it. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Um, and so I wanted to go into that a little bit more, really teach people about my experience, really show people what this is like um, to experience. But then also, you know, I've learned so much about my mental health. Um, and almost for me, my book wants to fill that gap that, I think schools don't fill, which is teaching people about emotions. Um, and I do think this this book could save lives. And from what I've heard from people so far, it's it's you know it's certainly not 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 doing the opposite. It's not, yeah. not hurting anyone. Um, and learning about mental health and, and really educating yourself on it. it. It might not even be something that you need, you're conscious of needing to know about now. But you have a bad day, you have a divorce, and you lose your job, and you get thrown into that hole. That's when you need to know these techniques. That's when you need to know about it. And so this is why I think everyone needs to be prepared, not just the people that are that are unwell or 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 struggling right now. It's everyone needs to know this stuff. And so that's where the title came from. Because I was like, mate, not just this book could save your life, but this information and committing to learning this stuff, that could very, very easily save your life. And you might not even know that it might. might you mm. don't know what's on the horizon, right? You don't know what you might need to know um, to overcome things. So... I think it's just here's deep. hoping that the I, title's correct. <laughs> I think that is freaking insane, man. I, I, honestly, man, I, I, I think it's amazing. Um, I'm going to stop there for part one. I'm going to come back in part two because I want to talk to you more about grief. Sure. And how you deal with grief. Is that going to be That's okay? That's going to be nice and fun, yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so come back for part two for Wait, a really fun part. It's going to be a right laugh. <laughs> it's going to be a real oh, big good. laugh. We'll so we started it. part one talking about bloody moons <laughs> yeah, yeah. and tides, and now we're going to talk about yeah. death straight, and grief. Yeah, straight into grief. <laughs> Get ready for it. It's going to be great. We'll see you in part two, everyone. Bye-bye.